Hello and welcome to the What's Cooking podcast with me, Beth, and my co-host, Kat. We interview food and drink entrepreneurs about their businesses, how they got started, the journey so far, and what gets them out of bed in the morning. Today we're joined by Henrietta Inman, pastry chef, cookery teacher, and author. Henrietta's recipes focus on natural and nourishing ingredients using flavours as their starting point. Her first book, Clean Cakes, Delicious Patisserie Made with Whole Natural and Nourishing Ingredients and Free from Gluten, Dairy and Refined Sugar, was released in 2016. And her new book, The Natural Baker, A New Way to Bake Using the Best Natural Ingredients, came out at the end of March. Welcome, Henrietta. Hi. Thank you. I was about to say, welcome to you. (laughs) Hi. Thank you for having me. No, thank (laughs) you. What was your first job in food? I went to university after school and did French and Italian, um, but I always knew I wanted to do something to do with food. Um, And so after that, and obviously inspired by, I had half a year out in France and Italy. um, So I was inspired by that and obviously having this constant desire to do something to do with food. I then um, enrolled on the professional patisserie scholarship at Westminster Kingsway College. And that was, that led to my first job because it was really like, learning on the job and I was an apprentice at the Lanesborough Hotel so I worked there for three weeks a month and then went to college for a week a month. So not only was I learning all the skills and techniques and of patisserie but I was learning it in sort of the pressure and the, the time limits and the stress <laughs> of a professional kitchen and seeing as that's what I knew I wanted to do was then go on to work in more kitchens I think that was such a good way to learn. So that was, yeah. Mm, you had was, a proper oh, experience of yeah. what it would actually be like in yeah. the kitchen. And I think so that's, useful. yeah, it's also such a good, you know, it's compared to lots of, I mean, I love, you know, the Cordon Bleu and all Leeds, and I think they're all such amazing sort of institutions, but and sort of in terms of cost as well, this was very, you know, my workplace paid for my college fees, and I got paid a little bit, but... I think, no, it was really, really good. Um, but I d- just remembered probably my first job was at my local pub. <laughs> but that was more a bit of washing up and then sometimes putting a breaks, um, breaks food. Sort <laughs> I know of. exactly what you mean because I've um, also worked in those pubs. Tiki Toffee pudding in the yeah. microwave and then heating up some bird's custard or something. Um, no, it was very good though. <laughs> and then, yeah, making some sandwiches. But yeah, first proper job was at the Lanesborough and that was great. One entrance, yeah, because place to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how did you find that environment? Yeah. Um, I loved it. I was incredibly fortunate because my boss, who was basically like my mentor, she was tough. Um, she's from Israel, and there, it's um, men and women must do their army training. So she'd, you know, done that. She was she was a tough woman, but she was also incredibly kind and nurturing and. Um, I think she knew I had a lot to learn. I remember sort of going for my trial and I was given a piping bag to do some tiny little fiddly cheesecakes and someone someone else filled up this bag for me and I just sort of attempted, I just couldn't do it. And I just remember looking up and seeing her eyes looking at me thinking, whoa, she's got a lot to learn. But anyway, she took a <laughs> chance on me, thank God. Um, and yeah, I loved it. It was very, I'm quite shy. I think I've got less shy, but I think that was hard because kitchens are, you know, you've got to be quite um, 
not ballsy. Assertive. Yeah, I think, yeah, assertive and just sort of get on and, yeah, not worry about what everyone else is doing or thinking. So that was, yeah, and what else? I really enjoy, but thanks to being, I think thanks to being in such a good team, that's what made it so sort of doable and manageable and helped me learn so much because everyone around me was wanting me to learn and do well with um, my college, uh, not degree, but whatever, of course. Um, so that made it so good. And I did have other people on my course who they chose these workplaces or Westminster Kingsway would recommend some workplaces and they weren't so lucky with their bosses and obviously if you're you know they were there for a third of every month so or quarter every month no three quarters <laughs> um so that obviously meant that they didn't learn quite so much or they didn't thrive but I just I really did and I was um put in charge of the afternoon tea so which was sort of six different like very fine and intricate items of patisserie every day with lots and lots of different layers of things and hundreds and hundreds of scones every day and and then there was also uh, the private dining bit so sometimes we do sort of banquets and things and then there was also room service but that, I wasn't really doing that but that was sort of putty fours and amenities <laughs> that guests would arrive to in their rooms sort of pretty plates of chocolates and things but I really loved doing the tea and it was also just so great for you know just learning time management and mise en place mm. and just everything like that so now when I do th more things like supper clubs or just host pop-up afternoon teas and things I'm really lucky to have sort of that sort of foundation and to know all of that because I think yeah obviously it's the skill of cooking and everything but I think so much of Working in kitchens is the organisation mm. and sort of all of that. Also managing a team and working with other people. And if you can't get that bit right, there's going to be stress. And then I think the stress, someone said it to me, I think it was Olya Hercules, she talked about sort of if everybody is, a, I think some, a disaster happened and something happened, she'd be making this delicious, I'm not sure what it was, a stew or something, and someone just completely ruined it. And it had been sort of going for sort of, a day, all these lovely flavours brewing and things, and something terrible happened. And instead of sort of shouting at this guy, she just said, don't worry, it's okay, we can do this and it will be fine. And they served something up and it was absolutely delicious and it was all fine. And she said that if she'd got stressed, she then said, sort of, that would sort of come out in the food in a way. Mm. And I think that's true in a way. But if everyone's calm and looking out for each other and there's organisation, I think that creates the best kind of food. You're gonna love it even more if you're all sort of getting on and do you know what I mean? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Yes. I think even just your perception of a dish, if you've made it kind of under duress or feeling really stressed, yeah. You just never feel as happy with it and yeah, yeah. Almost like you're, you know, if you're doing patisserie, especially, and you're trying to be really delicate. Yeah, yeah. You just can't. You just can't. You have to be calm. Mm, yeah. um, so no, it makes makes total sense. Mm. When so you started there, and then at which point did you decide you wanted to do something on your own? So I worked there at the Lanes for about two years, and then I moved to. They used to have an Italian restaurant there that had a Michelin star, and I, because of having my degree in Italian and 
just loving Italy and mm. the food and everything and the people. I moved over to work for them for about a year. That was very different because it was very much more service and whereas I didn't really do much service at the Leansborough. And which that was great and doing lots of gelato and really learning a lot of really classic Italian things but quite fine it was very fine dining so there was sort of chocolate swirls and things like that sort of you know brushes on the plate brushes of reduced red wine whatever um <laughs> but so that was that and then I worked for you know, for a few other people I worked for Sky Gingel for a little bit um at a restaurant called Hedony but that was pretty tough and I didn't like it so I left quite <laughs> swiftly um, and then I think it was just I think I've always wanted to do my own thing and I think sort of after the Lanesborough and then Apsley's this Italian restaurant and then following the chef from there to his new restaurant then working in a few more places I didn't I never really found that sort of very grounded and supportive team again and I think in a kitchen you just need to really sort of be in a good team and all be sporting each other and I never quite found it again so and as I said I always wanted to do my own things and I was also just really tired and quite stressed just from working really long hours for so long and most London kitchens are also subterranean so sort of long hours no sunlight stress not that great sort of food you just sort of get what you're given which is named pasta and things um so I sort of wanted some time out and moved back to Suffolk so I think that was about five four four five years ago and um started to sell sort of cakes and things at my local farmer's market do cakes to order and then a lot of people sort of it was sort of the time Hemsley sisters were doing their thing and mm. Delicious Liella was sort of doing her, was really sort of starting and everyone was loving her and I think that impacted a lot of people and a lot of my customers at farmers markets started to ask for sort of free from stuff, maybe because they had allergies, maybe because they were influenced by the media or whatever. Um, so and I think I was also slightly influenced as I, as you mentioned, you listened to the podcast with Kimberly Wilson, I spoke about having an eating disorder and so I sort of, yeah, I started to, I think a lot of it was to do with the reaction from my customers because I wanted to give them what they wanted and maybe because I was curious to find out if I could make tasty things that were gluten-free and dairy-free and refined sugar-free because they also complained that sort of things in the supermarkets and places wouldn't be that sort of tasty. You know, I think as soon as you say, a lot of people suddenly think if you say gluten-free it's going to be really dense or does not have that great texture and they're also a lot of the sort of manufactured stuff is just full of the ready-made gluten-free flours which are sort of tapioca starch and potato starch and not that sort of tasty really sort of delicious things and I wanted to sort of try and do it with more whole grain gluten-free flours like buckwheat and chestnut flour and brown teff flour and brown rice flour and um, sort of good fats like local cold-pressed grapeseed oil and coconut oil and things like that. And so I started to experiment with all these ingredients and just realised how tasty they were. And it was sort of, in the, in the end, a sort of bonus that they had this free-from aspect, that everyone could enjoy them. But in their own rights, just as they were, they were really delicious. Um, and then that led to my first book, 
and getting a book deal for that. So yes, and then that came out in February 2016 and it's had a really good reception. It's been translated into seven languages. That's um, amazing. Yeah, really nice. Not French and Italian, sadly, which always <laughs> upsets me. Um, but maybe the next book might be. Um, yeah, that's, that's really, really lovely. And I still get sort of nice feedback from it. And I think having had another book out, people, I don't know, I sort of look at my Amazon rating sometimes. <laughs> sort of the, it sort of helps with the first book mm. a bit. People see what you've done before. And mm. so I've had a lot of, I think it's sort of, yeah, a bit more sort of reignited interest in that. And then, yeah, so I stayed in Suffolk for about three years. Um, and that's when I was also, re I suppose, the other side of doing this more natural side, the whole grain gluten food, I was starting like that, um, was because I was really influenced by um, everything around me in Suffolk. We had a lovely vegetable garden and obviously local rapeseed oil, local honey, um, our own fruits as well. And um, having sort of come back home and being so tired and stuff from working in kitchens for five years, I just wanted to eat all that delicious and sort of nourishing and good food. And I also wanted to get it into my patisserie as well. And I think for so long, I'll always love the classics, you know, a good croissant, and, you know, great sponge cake and everything. But I think that we have been cooking with them for so long and it is really nice to, you know, experiment with new ingredients. And I think cooking is all about development and sort of evolution and trying new techniques and new ingredients and I think that's just been a really sort of fun and creative and exciting bit of my career so I'm excited to have done that even though there's the eating disorder side of it but it's it sort of was a good thing I think not the eating disorder but do you know what I but mean? something yeah. good came from it. Yes. And certainly, um, and I really like the angle that you're coming from, in that, yeah, you're right about the store-bought gluten-free bakes with white, quite bland flours. Yeah. And it's just a way of using really, um, yeah, different ingredients, but in a creative way, thinking about texture yeah. more and thinking about flavour to create things that are quite different really that yeah that are just new classics or just new yeah. new cakes rather than a reinvented sponge or something yeah. yeah yeah definitely and especially four or five years ago no one was doing that and you couldn't really go into a bakery and find anything you know now you can it's a bit more normal to go into a bakery and they might have something with rye flour or something mm -hmm. gluten-free with nuts and mm -hmm. something other than the rice flour but when you were starting I guess you were really kind of paving the way for these kind of recipes because not many people were were doing it so I yeah. can see how that would have been really exciting for your customers and um why it why it took off how yeah. it did were you approached for the first book or did you reach out to publishers um uh, so I know a publisher called well Jackie Small who published it and I saw her, she just sort of asked what I was doing and I said, I'm doing these sort of healthier cakes and things. She, she also, she already had sort of Mitch Turner, do you know her? She does very amazing, very 
elegant cakes. You sort of, I think, was it Pierce Brosnan or Gordon Ramsay that called her the Rolls Royce of cake makers or something? Mm -hmm. And then she also has William Curley also writes books for her. So I thought, oh, she'll never want me. So I said, I'm doing these, and my it was my mother who just one day said, sort of as a joke and just sort of alliteration and just just not really, you know, thinking about this whole clean eating thing. And my book is definitely nothing to do with that whole trend. But it's, so she just said, oh, you can call them your clean cakes. So I said this to Jackie. And my mother says she, I should call them this. And <laughs> she seemed to like it. And I suppose she, it was, you know, it was, the timing was very good. And it did sort of, obviously, yeah, slightly get, not caught up, I don't think is the right sort of phrase but the, the tied in with yeah, what was happening yeah. at the time and I yeah you were offering something different and I, I kind of get what you're saying I think the term since then since your book came out has been misconstrued and linked to much darker things yeah. but your book isn't when you can when you read it it's yeah. clear that it's not about that it's not about restriction or dieting it's just yeah it's just that word has yeah, in yeah. the media is, is not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Both of them, I mean, they're just basically about applying yeah. my skills as a pastry chef and just my want to create the most texture and flavor as possible to just slightly more natural and like nourishing and just tasty mm. ingredients. I think mm. if you're putting delicious things in, the end result, whether it's a cake that might be slightly undercooked in the middle, it's still going to be really tasty if you're putting delicious things in. So that's that's my sort of main sort of what's the word? USP. USP. <laughs> and but you're right, quite very different to what it was really new. Yeah. Very different to what anyone was doing. Yeah, I think so. And again I think there are a few I think there's sort of cakes called raw books for raw cakes or things like that and I think I am very proud to have had a sort of proper classical training and I think that does, I'm going to say it, <laughs> it does sort of make me stand out a bit more mm -hmm. and um, I think a lot of people are writing books who haven't had that training or experience in kitchens and which is great and I think everyone is just doing what they can do and it's, you know, we're all just trying to make a living and earn some money and things and do what we enjoy but I, I just, yeah, it's going back to that flavour and texture, and I think because of my training, I'm really able to apply that to just maybe not the norm in terms of baking ingredients, but still really make really sort of lovely things. Definitely, and it really it shows through in your recipes, and you can tell that you've got an understanding of the ingredients you're working with, and the aesthetics as well yeah. of your cakes and, you know, your recipes you can tell that you're experienced and you've been trained and you you know there's a sophistication mm -hmm. in the way that you that you style things and the way you decorate mm -hmm. so it definitely it does show through <laughs> Thank you. when you first started out cooking uh, in Suffolk for the farmers market and local uh, people did you have a a sort of business plan in mind or have you just kind no. of gone with the flow? <laughs> gone with 
common. That's no. what most people's answer is. Yeah. It's, it's a no. <laughs> no. And I still don't feel like I have my own business. I don't know. I feel like saying I have my own business is quite a big statement. I'm still not quite sure if I'm there. No. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, what did I do? No, I got home. My mother said that I could clear out her laundry room which was really full of a load of crap, so I think I did her a favour. Um, so we cleared that out, obviously left the washing machine there, and the drying rails, and I went on to Nisbet's online, and I bought a steel top work surface, and a microwave, and a bigger... I already had a KitchenAid, but I bought another one. And I, I was quite gung-ho. My mother still says she was quite pleasantly shocked by how uh, sort of just raring to go I was and I just kitted out my kitchen and I sort of got going and I contacted local farmers market organisers immediately and the words sort of spread and that was really good. In Suffolk there's an incredibly um, sort of thriving uh, food scene, lots of amazing producers. I was also a member of a society called the Young Producers Society. Um, so there was me, as so some owners of a bakery who also won um, Britain's Best Bakery, sort of, I think about three years ago. The guy who owns it used to go out with Lily Lily. <laughs> David Wright, he's great, and he runs it with his sisters. Um, and then there's a sort of cheesemakers, they make cheese and butter with raw milk, um, and have their own herd of cows, and a woman I used to go to school with who makes Suffolk salami. So it was, you know, we were all supporting each other and all um, sort of asking each other's questions or for any advice if we needed it. Um, so that was great. I've forgotten what questions. <laughs> Whether you had a business plan. Oh yeah, but I didn't have a business plan. But luckily I was surrounded by all these people who were helping me and it just sort of fell into place. And I think getting this book deal really sort of it was then a very good platform to then come back to London. I felt I love Suffolk and I I still think, and now my next, I do want to write a business plan for a cafe or a restaurant. So that's my, what I'm starting to work on at the moment. Um, and I still wonder about whether that will be in Suffolk or in London, but I felt like there was only so far I could sort of go at that moment in Suffolk and with my book I, wanted, I thought it was a good idea to come back to London and be able to promote that in London you know because the food scene is sort of like no other here it's great um, and that was just a really good way to promote that and then that also led on to sort of I stopped my cakes in Fortnum and Mason for a bit then started doing farmers markets where I live in Walthamstow and Stratford and got have gained a lot of good local customers so it's just it yeah now I do so I teach a lot now um at my house as well as places like Divertimenti and um the school of artisan food which is in Nottinghamshire and really beautiful school and do a lot of demos and things and then supper clubs as well so I'm very lucky that it's all sort of slotted into place but I I, I think that's just I think you'll probably agree that just the food world in London, everybody's so supportive of each other. And I think collaborations are such a great thing because you're not only learning from somebody else and 
working as a team, but there's also sort of even more exposure to more people and because you'll bring along your customers or your followers, I hate that word, um, <laughs> and as well as theirs. And I just think it's sort of, you know, more openings, more contacts, more possibilities for new things. And yeah, I'm lucky that it's sort of fallen into place and very lucky to have written two books, which has given me sort of good, it's sort of, yeah, as I said, sort of platform to do more things. But now I really do need to write a business plan. <laughs> I think lots of people don't write business plans, but I but, think yeah. if I actually... No, hardly anyone does no, that we've spoken to. I think if I, because I'm still living, I rent my house in Walthamstow. I think maybe it's something to, I don't know, I feel like I can't quite do a supper club here and a cookery class there and live off book sales for the rest of my life. Because I, I really, really want to just be financially sort of independent mm. and I think as much as restaurants are really really difficult I think if I I think having my own sort of base will just I hope make me just feel slightly secure in my own business and sort of um, make it more clear not just to other people but also to myself sort of what it is because mm. I I don't I love cooking savoury food as well I, I sort of and thanks to having done all these supper clubs with other people I've learnt a lot and I can do a lot more of that side of things and I think a lot of chefs like Michelle Rue and a lot they did train first of all in classic patisserie and that's such a good foundation in learning as well as everything like the mise en place and all that but um, precision and just all of that and I think once you've got sort of that foundation and then you take that into the the rest of the kitchen and start to do the meat and the fish and everything else um, I think you can really thrive so hopefully <laughs> I can I can make it happen I think there's also a lot of learning along the way I think if you don't challenge yourself and sometimes take a bit of a risk then probably won't I don't know I think I need to take this jump and try and do it <laughs> And I guess you could bring all of the things that you are doing in. Exactly. You, know, you can do workshops from that, from that yeah, place, yeah. and you can do events, supper clubs. Yeah. Um, Ask other people to. Yeah, yeah. and and still collaborate. Uh, yeah, still yeah. very much do collaborations. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, it's a well. Someone just told me about a place in later approaching. Touch <laughs> Italians say tocca me, which is touch yourself, um, or touch iron, they also do. Um, there's a place in Leighton, and they're looking for a sort of chef to do a residency, so I've applied for that. We'll see, which is, it'll be a very good experience, but if I don't get it, I will not be knocked back, I'll just carry on with my business plan. I really wanted to sort of, I think I know that my gut sort of says to do it in London rather than Suffolk because I've got a lot of friends here and I'd like to cook for them. And You'd I have think, a lot of support. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm, I think definitely. I would. And But I sort of want it to be like a bit of the country and the city. So we have a garden, which might just to start with be herbs, but eventually vegetables and then flowers, flowers and sort of try and work with local schools and teach children about where food comes from and how mm. to grow their own food and grow it and then cook with it. I think 
that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, and then it would be so great to have some kind of community side to it as well. Mm. So we'll see. Lots to plan. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see you doing that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Go for it. Thank you. I think I need to do it now. Yeah. So you work with some amazing charities, including Lumini ba Luminary Bakery. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us a bit about, about that work that you do. Um, yeah, so I'm an ambassador for Luminary Bakery, um, which is a social enterprise. Um, and they, they have three, they call them their cohorts, so it's three groups of women every year, um, and they come from social and economic disadvantaged backgrounds, so you might have been in prison or sexually abused or homeless. So they apply to work or to train at Luminary and they teach them the craft of baking, which I think is so, that's what really sort of impassioned me and wanted me to work with them because I think, I know that I was really unsure about which way to go with this sort of love I had for food, whether it was to be a food writer or I wasn't quite sure. I didn't think to start with that I had the sort of strength to go into a professional kitchen, but I did it. And then I think it's just so great to have this skill that you have with your hands, this sort of trade, whether it's baking or mm. sewing or shoemaking, whatever, and then you have it for the rest of your life and you can mm. travel with it and go anywhere with it. Um, so just I thought what they were doing was amazing. Um, so being an ambassador just involves talking about them as much as I can, <laughs> um, which I tried to do. And then I also go in every, when it's a new cohort, I will go in and teach them a day of baking. So Luminary and the bakers there, because it's also, so it's a cafe, and then downstairs they have their teaching room. So the bakers from the cafe will then teach the women as well and they'll do all the basics like bread and pastry and all of that and also I think teaching them their what they sell in the cafe brownies cookies mm -hmm. um really really delicious things and then me and my fellow ambassador Benjamina um will will go in and do sort of slightly different things I'll do the whole grain stuff and she'll do her lovely things and yeah it's just really nice for the women to see different ways of baking and it and whenever I go I, I almost burst in tears every time they're all, they're all they're just incredible women and very brave and you can just see how they're so grateful that they've had this opportunity and that they can change their lives and their whole thing is about building a brighter future for these women and um, you just really see it and then after they've done this um, training Luminary then helps them to find apprenticeships or jobs um, in other places if there isn't space for them to work there and then they also help them find mentors as well and yeah it's a really it's a great thing to be involved in I feel really fortunate to to have it and then I also work with um, Bake for Syria which is part mm -hmm. of Cook for Syria raising funds for all the children who've been affected by the war in Syria and um, that's really lovely as well and very yeah just also just feel very honoured to be able to do it and just to help and I think it's also 
not just the luminary about having this craft, but also I think about just how much love that you get from food and mm. creating it. And I think doing it whenever I've done things with Cook for Syria or Bake for Syria, um, it's just there's always been such a good vibe, and it's all down to it's all this comes back to this basic thing that we all have, which is food and sort of positivity and um, what it stands for in bringing people together and community and and just generosity. Um, it just it's great and I love it. <laughs> and it's so nice yeah. to, you know, if you've got this, if you have some kind of skill and to be able to share it with other people is really, I think, important. You can't yeah, it's just nice to be able to share it and mm. do extra things. There's something really healing about food and whether yeah. it's learning to make something and making something with your hands, being practical. There's something very mentally healing about that. And then also like just share as you say, like sharing a meal or sharing a piece of cake with somebody. It's yeah. just a really beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, not only physically nourishing, but mentally as well. Yeah, yeah sure. And sort of spans all cultures. Exactly. It, it's it's yeah. familiar to everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of like unifying. Universal unifying. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about your new yeah. book. And was there a different process compared yeah. with the first one? Yeah. Mm, so, mm, in some ways, <laughs> in some ways not still just as stressful <laughs> um but it it came about for various reasons i mean i wanted to write another book and i didn't have an agent for my first one but she signed me up after i'd written it and she said when are you going to do another one so i thought i should figure out some kind of idea and i think because i discussed i sort of went slightly in a in the reverse way it probably would have been made more sense to have trained classically, you know, with white, playing white flower and, you know, that's the only flower really, yeah. playing white flower and then to have then used, started using whole grain, wheat flour and whole grain spells and things. But instead I went to the whole grain gluten-free stuff and then I sort of went back. And so my next book is um, sort of just a continuation of the exploration of all these lovely natural ingredients. Um, and, but also including wheat, rye, spelt, um, as many sort of UK grown grains as I can, oats, barley, um, a bit of einkorn as well, um, and then also proper butter. It's not like the first one, there's, there's no sort of idea of free from. And if there, you know, there is buckwheat flour, I use it because I love its great flavour and that's, that's been such an advantage to have discovered that with writing my first book. So I include all those ingredients from my first book and then a lot, a lot more. It's just really all-encompassing of all delicious ingredients. And it's, so it's the five chapters, there's breakfasts, um, breads and crackers, cakes and biscuits, lunches and suppers and puddings. It's called puddings and desserts because it's also in American so the, because the publishing company are quarter UK, US and Australia, so there's the grounds as, well as, as the cups, even though I hate cups, um, but it's got to be there. So then they also had to save desserts for this chapter because 
pudding in America and it's sort of some kind of custody thing. So yeah, so I just wanted the last touch to be puddings, but um, <laughs> it's got to be user friendly, I suppose. Um, so that yeah, and and everyone's a lot of people open and they say, oh, I didn't realize there were so many savory things and. That's what something I really there's a bit of savory in my first book, but that's something I really want to do more of in this one. And again, just there's a big variety of stuff from with everything from winter to summer vegetables and fruits and um it's and obviously autumn and spring as well. Um and then I also just really want people to sort of I mean there's only so much recipe testing I could do, so there's only I would love to have had sort of variations of like five variations for every recipe or something, but I try to give my readers sort of hints or tips to vary things or, you know, if you, know, if you haven't got oats or buckwheat flakes, use, if you haven't got buckwheat flakes, use, use oats or just sort of take the recipe, I always say sort of look at the recipe, maybe cook it um, or bake it, um, as it says for the first time and then sort of the second time maybe you didn't like a bit or maybe you haven't got such and such in your cupboards or maybe asparagus aren't in season so put um, broccoli in instead or something. I just want people to sort of adapt them to their tastes mm. and to just enjoy but to sort of use the foundations so um, like use that pastry but then fill it with something else or use that biscuit, biscuit recipe but don't put a chocolate ganache in it, just leave it empty or you know, just really sort of play with the recipes and just feel that they can enjoy them and make them their own. And yeah, I've really enjoyed writing that. And it's also, it's sort of, I suppose, I hate the word journey. I've never used it. How can I not use it? Um, just sort of... <laughs> to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also, I suppose, it's, uh, in a way sort of illustrates sort of my way of, you know, I, I never had any allergies, so... I should have. Ne I never needed to cut out gluten and dairy, like I sort of did when I wrote my first book. But now I'm a lot more sort of balanced, and yeah, I eat everything. And I think I think variety is key, um, and and we should just enjoy food because it's such a sort of we're so lucky to have it, and it's such a joy. It brings so much happiness in life that and life is way too short to just uh, deprive ourselves of these things that can make us happy when those of other crap stuff is always happening. So if there's well, this thing that can bring some kind of smile to your face during the day, then I think we should really, you know, sort of honour it and make time for it. So yeah, this book has just been about the ingredients that I really love and just to show people also that, you know, how delicious these whole grains can be. and. Again, I think, sort of with the gluten-free stuff, but I think in general, often, I think maybe it's sort of, you know, from the first vegetarians in the 70s and seeing sort of big vats of brown lentils and things. As soon as you say sort of whole grains or lentils or pulses or vegetarian or, you know, brown sugar, people sort of think, oh, it's not going to be light and fluffy and like, you know, that, that cake I really like. But actually, I think you can make really, I think people will see that with these recipes, and that's what I wanted to show them, that actually you can make incredibly delicious, light, textured, tasty things with 
um, whole grains and things and if they are a bit more sort of nourishing and better for you then that's a great thing but the main thing is that they're really tasty and also really easy to bake with. I think people also get a bit scared about using a different flour or oh it's rye flour it's not wheat flour or, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I just want to show people that it can be done and very easily. <laughs> so that's been yeah. that, yeah. That's that one. And I'm sort of doing some festivals and cookery classes and things at the moment to promote it more and tell people more about it. And there's only so many Instagram posts you can do about <laughs> it. But yeah. But you sort of just need to keep plugging away, which might be quite tiresome, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. <laughs> I know, I think, I think kind of for other people, it's, it is really interesting, but it's just because you're so aware when you keep yeah. posting about something. Yeah. Um, what challenges have you faced in starting your own business? Um, making money. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good one to say. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Actually. It's true. It's the truth. That's it's, the challenge of the food business. Yeah, yeah. And I think it will get even tougher if I do. When, I should say when. When yeah. I do open my own place. Um, but that's why writing a business plan is so important. I need yeah. to you know, include everything. My budgets, how many people I need to serve every day to you know, make ends meet and everything. So money and then also... Uh, I love, I think social media is great and I think the positives do outweigh the negatives, especially in the food world. But it is hard looking at everyone else and see and you thinking they're doing so many amazing things and you think, oh, oh why didn't I get asked to do that? Or <laughs> So that's yeah. hard, but then at the end of the day, you've just got to keep on doing your own thing, I think. And there'll be people thinking that about you. Yeah, no, that sort of <laughs> makes me think, please don't make that about me. Um, yeah, so I think everyone's just working as hard as they can. I think I think you've got a... What was the question again? The challenges. Challenges. I think it's also um, sort of not having a structure. You know, you don't, you're not getting up every day. You don't have to be in that mm -hmm. office at nine o'clock clock off at five so or oh, I'm sure people is, does anyone have a nine to five anymore I don't think I so I don't think so um <laughs> so I think it's that I think it's in a way working from home which is sometimes can be a bit lonely sometimes I think I like it. I think if I went to a cafe every day or something I'd just spend so much money um <laughs> but there's probably that you sort of in a way need to implement your own schedule yeah schedule um <laughs> Know what the American schedule is English. Yes, American schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, and you have to be pretty strict with yourself. Mm. You know, to not yeah. suddenly. Oh, what's on Netflix? Or I don't know. I don't look at Netflix in the middle of the day. But you know. Or do you do that thing where you're like, I'll just do a bit of laundry, or I'll just exactly, like, yeah, exactly. Those other things that feel productive, but then actually it stops you doing the work yeah, you yeah. should be doing. There's That's... far more distraction at home for sure. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. Just doing simple things like the washing or the washing up, yeah. basics, but take time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's sort of yeah. if you're if you're incredibly busy, it's great. Um, but then I think the hard thing also is if you've got to cook 
or for me, if I've got a cake order, if I've got a cookery class and I need to plan, or, I, or yeah, if I'm doing a catering job or something and I need to move in my kitchen, and so now I go back to my lap, I sort of do admin and I've got all these emails and it's just balancing all that mm. and making sure you get it all done. And then there's the other side of being incredibly busy and then also being less busy, which is also fine. And I think people, yeah, it's, it's when, it's those times when you're less busy, when you sort of need to make that structure even come into play even more in a way, Definitely. so you don't get so distracted by those other things. And also take advantage of that less busy time to sort of do, as Emma Gannon would refer to it, your side hustle and sort of get, you know, those other things, other projects you want to, you've always wanted to pursue, get them going on. There's a lot of discipline. But and it's also okay. I think we're also obsessed with being really busy and stressed. And it's like if you're not stressed. stressed out, you're not working hard enough. And, and actually, yeah. you know, you don't have to be. And sometimes it's no. really nice to recognise that you've got a day where you don't have much to do. And actually, it's okay to not do very much because you worked the last three weekends and exactly. didn't take a break afterwards. Yeah, and yeah. it is. Um, yeah, it's, diff it's difficult, though, to find that kind of balance and acceptance of not being really busy. Yeah. Do you have anything specific sort of tactics or things that you do? Because you're, you are managing a lot of different things, aren't you? You've got your events, your supper clubs, your books, social media. There's a lot of things to structure and organise. How Do you have anything, anything specific um. to help... Manage. I write a lot of lists. Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of this. I write a lot of lists. I try, when my book was coming out, I really, I just, there was a lot of promotion. I was trying to do as much promotion as possible and I was also planning a launch and doing all the cooking for that. So I really neglected sort of my website and my emails for a while. But I think it's much better to try and, I try and answer emails no, you're probably going to say no, that I got back to you after a long time, but I think it's good to try and not let it all build up. Mm. Otherwise you sort of have this weight in the back yeah. of your mind. Um, so try and sort of just keep on top of things. Obviously if something's urgent, always answer it. Because I think, yeah, so often everyone starts an email and they're saying, I'm so sorry for not getting back to you sooner. But I think also it's all right to leave. There's this sort of constant you know everyone expects you to be at your laptop all the time and just replying within that day but I think it's okay not to definitely <laughs> people should relax a little bit yeah. yeah unless it's like if there's a customer emailing yeah. that's urgent yeah other and things you. you know like us emailing about podcasts I don't expect people <laughs> to get back to us the same day because it's not urgent, no. it's, it's chilled, you know? Yeah, we, yeah. we can do it whenever. Yeah. We're quite yeah. relaxed. <laughs> yes. So I hope that, yeah, it would be other people have got a similar attitude. Yeah. I think also just try, I, I try and, you know, wake up reasonably early. I always like to go to the gym or go for a run or go for a swim and that sort of, yeah, just having that sort of break, having that sort of time to myself and moving my body, which I think is really important and it sort of makes you happier. It sort of sets you up for the day. Have a good breakfast and then just get on. I also, I've been, I started the year working 
upstairs in the spare room slash dumping ground slash study. Um, it was less of a dumping ground then. And then, and working there, and I got so much done. Well, I feel like I did. I was much more focused and then obviously in the kitchen downstairs, go down for lunch and things. And then I sort of migrated slowly back into the kitchen. And I think that's bad. So if you do have a separate, if you do work from home and you have a separate space you can work in, I think that's really good. So now I've gone back to my study at the beginning of this week and I feel already like I'm getting more stuff done. A bit it's of separation. Really yeah. yeah, and not be sort of getting up every five minutes for a cup of tea or looking at what's in the fridge. Or <laughs> yeah. It's a lot better, I think. And also if you're, you know, you're in your kitchen, then you suddenly have this sort of mess on your kitchen table of all your work. And then you might have friends over, and every time friends come, there's all this crap everywhere, and I sort of push it to one side when it's upstairs. It just feels a lot. I think if the space around you is clean and tidy, you just feel a lot. Your head just feels a lot more clear. And if you feel clearness in your head, you can just get on with everything else better. Yeah. I feel that about the laptop as well. I've had lots of tabs or like lots of pages open. They don't feel good. No. I need to. Have yeah. less stuff open, you know. You just open it. You're like, oh, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. No, no. Just need to deal with it and then close it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm always. I'm really guilty of that. I always sort of start an email and then yeah, down or start responding <laughs> through a Facebook message. <laughs> start right, sending an invoice. And I'm done. Like, I have to constantly stop myself from doing that. Yeah, it's like a constant reminder. Like, no, finish it and then yeah. next task. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you structure your week in any way do you have a would you I know you you're not gonna you're gonna say you're not you don't have no. a typical week but do you have like an admin day or a not no because no, every week is so different yeah. yeah this week I haven't had any events or anything nor next week and the week after it's always like that you sort mm. of have nothing but lots of always lots of emails and stuff to reply or like classes to plan demos to plan and recipes to send to all these festival organisers or things like that. But in terms of kitchen stuff, this, this week and next, I haven't got anything and then suddenly the week after there's lots of stuff, which is good, but yeah, so no structure, yeah. which is... Yeah, that's kind that's of how it, how it works yeah. with quite a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. If you're doing a lot of different things, things are busy at different times, like you're going to have cake orders perhaps more at the weekend unless you know you, you just can't predict yeah you always have to take each day as it comes and then you know what you've it's almost like you've got to do this so those will happen and then there's always a few things that you could do mm. but it's not a disaster and yeah. I kind of find yeah you just have to look at almost like look at the week and then each day as little chunks to kind of get through and yeah. But things yeah. also always come up, don't they, last minute? <laughs> yeah, always. Okay, so to finish with... Um, <laughs> get a head start. Um, what would your tips be for someone who would like to start baking with alternative ingredients but doesn't really know where to start? I would say maybe if you've got, like, a favourite sponge cake recipe or favourite brownie recipe or some kind of or biscuit recipe it's probably got white flour maybe just 
either swapping whole grain wheat flour or whole grain spelt, they're very similar. Um, spelt is a type of wheat. Um, yeah, just add in a whole grain or do sort of half and half white and whole grain. Maybe if it's white sugar. I think, a lot of, I didn't mention this, but I, I also never try and oversweeten things. I think so many things these days are too sweet and you just, it's not about being saintly or whatever, it's just about tasting yeah. the good flavours that are meant to be there and often they just taste of sugar. So I think, and it, if you're trying to sort of, yeah, if you're trying to slightly adapt a recipe mm. to have more natural ingredients, I think even if it's white sugar, just lowering it a bit. So, yeah, I don't know if it's a cake, not half the sugar, but maybe take out a third or something. Mm. Maybe use, I really like Billington's and their golden castle sugar and their light brown muscovado. Mm. That's another thing with my next book, you can either use, I was, with my first book it was like quite strict, sort of coconut sugar or palmyra nectar powder, which is sort of quite expensive and also you can't really get it in many places. It's an amazing sort of Ayurvedic ingredient, but it's a bit not very accessible and I wanted the next one to be a lot more accessible. So I always say use coconut sugar or like, I've tried to test most recipes mm. with either coconut sugar or both of them, coconut sugar or light brown. So, and I think, yeah, they're less refined, but I think they're also a lot more tasty and they go with most things. Maybe not sort of lighter ingredients like lavender or mm. rose and things, but I think if you can use slightly less refined sugar, like brown sugar, it's really nice too. Um, and it goes with, you know, chocolate, the lovely whole grain flowers, nuts, seeds, coffee flavours, autumnal fruits. Most even fruits, sort of summer stone fruits and things. You could always use good free-range eggs, good butter, milk, whatever type of milk you want. And just, just experiment and just, yeah, go back to those lovely sort of less processed things like whole grains and brown sugars and good fats. I think also using, if you can use, instead of using the sort of heat-treated sunflower oil or vegetable oil, um, grapeseed oil has such a lovely flavour and it's a lot, the cold pressed one is, there's a lot more good stuff in it. So if you can use that and it goes, it's not, it does, it has a flavour but I don't think it's that overpowering. And with sort of apples or root vegetables or chocolate, things like that, it's really delicious. Also olive oil is delicious in cakes. So try and use those cold pressed oils as well. Vanilla, um, coconut oil has lovely vanilla flavour. It's a bit expensive, but you know, it's if you want to use that, you can as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. <laughs> and also, obviously, buy the book. Yeah, that would be a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, I would say just buy my books and I'll answer all your questions. You'll get questions. everything you need. Yes. <laughs> so, where can people find you on social media and website? Um, just me, Henry, on Facebook and Twitter. No. Instagram and Twitter, I'm Henrietta Inman. Facebook is something like Henrietta Inman Pastry Chef. And then my website is just henriettainman.com. And that has all my classes and my next events and a list of the sort of the cakes I make. You can order how to contact me if you need anything else. If you want to just ask me a question about baking, I'll try and get back to you. And yeah, and I do 
a lot of stuff clubs and things around London and yes and festivals and stuff like that so yeah so we'll link it we'll link your details in the show notes and then people can okay. follow you on Instagram and look at your website and they can get up to date with your upcoming events because you do yeah you do lots so there's lots of opportunity yeah. to come and see you and try your stuff Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you that can't come and try to Yeah, just buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can find us on Instagram at What's Cooking Podcast, on Twitter at What's Cooking Pod, or drop us an email, the What's Cooking Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review and five stars. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.